Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet, mom to two boys, middle school teacher, homeschooler, and writer. Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, episode 33. My horsey episode. Yay! Yes, yes, it is. Uh, yes, listeners, episode 33. This is the episode in which all of Heather's little horsey girl dreams are coming true. Uh, and she has forced me into discussing books about horses. Wait, yay! But, <laughs> yay. I hate horses. I'm going on the record now. I've hated them my whole life. But anyway. Um, but before we get started, it's also one of my favorite times of year, Banned Books Week. Uh, can I just say, though, I mean, we're going to talk about banned books for a few minutes. I just want to say that I don't know if it's because our generation grew up as like the rebel forces with Star Wars, like we yes. were tested by Star Wars to begin with. But everyone I've always known in my life, the minute that a book was banned, we all went out and bought it. I know. Like, I remember this distinctly as a kid. It's, it, oh, that ban- that's banned? Get it. Where do we get mm-hmm. it? Can I go to the library and find it? Like we would search it out. Is it because we're rebels? Is it that we're mm-hmm. all just Princess Leia's looking to write the wrong? Or is it that like banned books, the stupidest thing in the universe, because when you tell a kid they can't have it, that's all they want to get. All they want. I know. Good move. Yeah. Good plan. Well, and I always think of Indiana Jones when the Nazis were burning books and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, hell no. We can't have any of that. Here, you know, no, yeah, we had a little episode of that in my hometown when I was a kid. It was very sort of um, put loose, you know, (laughs) like banning the books. And I was like, what? That lasted like five minutes. Yeah, because then all the kids rush out and get it. You know, actually, uh, we have the Kurt Vonnegut Library here in Indianapolis, and uh, they do a huge banned book event. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And they, um, they bring in speakers. And one year I heard a woman, she was a YA author and her book actually hadn't been getting very much traction. And then it got banned in a school system. And all of a sudden, like, see, there, there you were, go. Yeah. There were like people offering to buy her book and give it to any kid in the school district that wanted Why it. Why was like, she banned? Um, what was it, her topic? It was about, it was called the boys of summer, I think. And it was about, um, girls who were dating boys during the summer. I don't know. I mean, now it's only if it's like girls dating girls in the summer. Cause when you look at the banned books list, it's like all gay all the time. If it's gay, it's banned. If it's trans, it's banned. I'm like, good Lord. Can you pick a new song? Right. Who are banning these books? First of all. And then you people, I, 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 obviously I viscerally dislike you because you're banning books, but then like, really gay that seems like like the gay characters lgbtq themes let's ban it because of that like really that's it i mean come on that ship sailed years ago and we're still gonna try to ban books on that hey guess what people were gay then and they're gay now and when you ban the books they're still gonna be gay (laughs) <laughs> no, Ooh, yeah, it doesn't gonna stop it. keep anyone from being gay. Well, and not to mention, like, we're totally fine with violence, but, you know, have girls being aggressive about sex. Right. And all of a sudden, right. oh, my gosh, no, we can't have any. Leave of all that. the guns you want. I don't see yeah. one. I looked over that list, the most 21 commonly banned books for this year. And OK, like all of them are gay, except for like one. I have to say The Handmaid's Tale is one of the most common banned books. <laughs> Does anyone see the irony in that? <laughs> Does anyone? No one's like, oh, we ban it because this is what's happening to us. Um, <laughs> but the, the one was my favorite. I'm like, they uh, Captain Underpants. Seriously, <laughs> Captain Underpants, because it was fresh. <laughs> the, the list is so ridiculous. Yeah, I just is. like. My favorite one, though, what I am going to go buy it immediately. It's called Prince and Knight. Did you look at that one? No. I oh, yeah. It's one. a picture book where a prince falls in love with the knight. 
Hello, I'm all over that. <laughs> Buying that for all the nieces, nephews, and anybody that has small children, because that looks right up my alley. It's exactly what would come from Aunt Margie. While we're at this, can you tell me a little bit more about what ridiculousness happened with one of our favorite authors, Kelly Yang? Because uh, I don't get, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. So, so this was on the IG because you're not cool enough to be on the IG, I know, the I'm Instagram. Sorry. So I don't so know. So this was like on. blowing up on the Insta that there was. I believe was it. I really thought it was Texas. I just no, maybe I, think, I just assumed because all the bad things keep happening in Texas at this well, point. Well, Book Riot said Pennsylvania, but I don't know. Get it? It could have started in other places. Well, they banned um, not just the one front desk, the first one, but they banned the entire series. This school did because it was pro-immigrant and um, it was <laughs> it was it was it was somehow demonstrating critical race theory. How? How? You read it. How? I mean, I mean, here's the thing I have to say about that, too, is that so I listened to this really interesting discussion about the critical race theory, because obviously people are being misinformed. It is I not bet being especially where you school. are. I bet it's bad. Yeah, it's I mean, I have tons of friends who are teachers, administrators, blah, blah, blah. It has never and probably never will be has critical race theory been taught in school? It is a college law school level philosophy and course. It has nothing to do with grade school, nothing to do with middle school, nothing to do with high school. And um, so I heard this really interesting discussion about this though, because they were saying, okay, since we know that critical race theory is not being taught, what is it that these people are trying to ban then? Because that's not a thing. So what are they actually going after? So basically they're going after anything that is diverse, right? Right. They were written from the perspective of a Chinese uh, person who lives in the United States. I mean, that's And it. there's a lot of immigrants and, you know, which I find ironic if anybody had a freaking clue in their head, we don't like immigrants because, you know, we did, and unless you're Native American, you were one, but I'm just saying. That's what I want to say every time somebody says something to me about immigrants, because I'm like, I'm always like, oh, what's your immigration story? When did your parents or family come to the United States? I mean, seriously, everyone has an immigration story. So don't act like you're better than anybody else. Give me a break. It's so stupid. Yeah, I'm over it. I'm totally over it. We are so middle-aged. We are such middle-aged <laughs> women that want to wear sensible shoes and flip the world the finger because oh we're so God. done with this crap. Yes. Between race issues, gay issues, women's issues, we're so done. We have, and you know, it's so funny because every woman anymore that I meet that is in our age range, it is, it is a universal Gen X flip the bird. We're done with you. And now we're coming at you. You shouldn't have poked the bear because now we're angry. <laughs> Seriously, it's been our whole lives having to listen yes. to this crap. And there's nobody, I mean, like if you spend any time in the world at large or cosmopolitan kind of areas, they you, That's the you have no problem. Hey, you and I both grew up in small town, Midwest, USA, and we don't have these attitudes. Like you have got to leave those small towns, not permanently go on vacation, meet other people. People are not that much different from you than you think. Everybody is really the same in the end, has the same concerns. It's very threatening to let somebody else's opinion in. I have a brother I haven't spoken to for 15 years because I married an immigrant. No. Best 15 years of my life, swear to God. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you haven't sp we've been married for 15 years. We have not spoken for 15 years because I married an immigrant. Are you kidding me? Like, seriously, like our grandpa was an immigrant. All right, what ups? It's so arbitrary, too. I, I used to know a guy in college who said, 
why would you hate people on a general level when there's so many reasons to hate them personally? (laughs) Oh my God. True story. True story. Give me a reason to hate you first. Like, yeah. Why generalize it? Just like get to know people. And then if you hate them, them. yeah, if you hate them, then totally legit. I agree with that. I like that. Get to know people first. It's ridiculous. I like that one. Yeah. So anyway, we won't go on and on this. Maybe next year we'll like get on our high horse for an entire episode and we'll talk about, we'll read all the gay books and then you can read the other ones. Cause I'm going to read all the gay books all right. right now. I'm going to go buy all the gay band books just to support those half of them. We've already done uh, yeah. shows on, or we've read them. Or we've like promoted them anyway, but there's so many, Oh my God. And l- first of all, I just can't, let me just go back. Are we still banning? Some of these are so ridiculous, but like Lori Halsey Anderson, come on. On speak. We're still banning that. My God, that book's at least 15, 20 years old. We're still angry about that. Some of these books, I mean, To Kill a Mockingbird, we haven't right. gotten over that yet. Good Lord, that book's got to be 50 years old. Mice and Men. Oh, come on. We got nothing else to do. Lord. Because, you know, when you ban it, it gets you some serious serious press. I was just going to say, I guess I'm kind of okay with banning books because any it kind of brings attention to books, which is nice and makes a boost sales. So please, people, be idiots and ban books because then we'll just sell more of them. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> and go out and support all of these amazing writers who have been banned because I feel like if you're banned, you're just good. That just means you're good. I seriously highly recommend you read Kelly Yang's books like Front Desk and the whole series because they are adorable. And if you want to figure out what people are complaining about. You won't figure out what people, you you won't, you literally be like, why are they banning this? And at PS, it did get walked back. They did that school district did say, okay, our bad. We shouldn't have done that. Well, they had kids, teachers and parents all united and fighting it. So there was a huge presence on, on the online too. a lot of writers and people like us that were like, you got to be kidding me. Are you, I mean, like, are you drunk? Just because it's diverse and people of color all of a sudden, then it has to be banned. That's the most horse crap I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) And Jason Reynolds, I just think we should give a shout out to Jason Reynolds, even though like he's too old for not too old, but like his writing is too old for us to be put put him on our our Francia list. So I mean, because he's more YA as opposed to middle grade. So we can't really put him on our Francia list. We can because, you know, he's like a nice guy. But shout out to him because he's like double bid. He's got a couple books on there. So good for you, man. I hope that's going to rocket your sales. We'll put you on the list if you want, buddy. It's all right. More months. Um, anyway, there are a couple of art- articles on Book Riot about all of that, too, if you want to check it out. But Alex Gino's on there. Yeah, Alex of course. Gino's on Poor there. Poor Alex Gino, of course, they're on there. That guy's all heated up. We might yeah, need I wine now. I know. I need to, I need to calm. <laughs> I need to find my zen now. So we can All right. Well, let's talk horses. about horses because aren't that in my book, honest to God, in my book, they use the horses as a, like an equine therapy to calm the, calm, calm down the potential gangbangers. Oh, I got, I, like I got it. a good one for you. <laughs> I like it. My okay. book was a good one. All right. Um, I think we need to explain like why I hate horses and why you love horses. So you tell me why you love horses like a freak. Is it anything to do with like loving the the line or I don't know. Why do girls love horses? That's what it is. Girls seem to love horses. They're just so beautiful. I think that's part of it. Are they though when they step on your head? No, not when they step on your head. <laughs> Okay. So my love of horses started pretty young though. I have to say, cause you know, I've mentioned before we grew, I grew up on a farm in Illinois and I had not only one grandpa, but 
two grandpas who liked horses. One, I had one grandpa look like an old cowboy when he rode his horse. It was awesome. He had this big quarter horse that red quarter horse was beautiful. And then my mom also liked horses and she grew up riding them. I mean, we didn't, we didn't have a ranch or anything like that. So we just would have like maybe, you know, like one pony or one horse, but, and so I heard a lot of horse stories and saw people riding them from young age. And then my grandpa bought me a pony when I was like, maybe nine. I know, I know. Like, so don't hate me, but I was one of those girls that got a pony. I love my pony, but I named her candy sticks because my mom had a pony when she was young named candy cane. So I wanted to, I would have named her Dolly Parton, but whatever. That would (laughs) have been me. I, my horse, Dolly Parton would have been a good name for my horse, actually, because um, she had like a blonde mane. I thought she was girthy. <laughs> <laughs> that too. But that I loved that pony and she was so ornery. Can I just tell you, she was so mean. Like every chance she had, she'd knock me off of her. It's just like, because they don't want to be ridden. I don't blame her. She no, like, can't go. Yeah. She would like, she would like rear up and like roll me off her back. And then as soon as I landed on the ground, she'd take off running and I'd have to get up and go chase after her. She just wanted to be hanging in the barn with her little horsey legs crossed, sipping on some Chardonnay, having some hay and listening to some, some classic Dolly Parton. That's what she wanted. She wanted to be two doors down and you were all up on her. I know. She's like, girl, come on. Leave me alone. So I probably should have hated horses too, but I really love that sassy pony. I thought it was hilarious when she would do it because I was like, she's just so stubborn and I just loved it. And also like my grandpa's quarter horse we would ride and he, you know, like you he was a tall horse. So we'd have to put him up against the, or put her name. I'm sorry. It was a she, cause her name was Sally. We'd have to put her up against the fence and climb up the fence and then jump on her back. And she would wait till you got top of the fence and ready to jump on her. And she would like scoot her butt over. So you would fall on the ground. See, I like that. That's my kind of horse. I know. So why are you going to break a girl's spirit like that? I know. Not I gonna maybe, put it up with it. maybe that's why I liked horses too, because they just had so much personality. Like they were just their own thing. And they're like, nope, I don't want you to ride me today. (laughs) Forget it. I understand that. So why do you hate them then? So, okay. My dad um, was actually, he really was a legit cowboy. My dad was a rodeoer and he, uh, we had a lot of horses and I didn't like any of them, but um, (laughs) he worked cattle for my, my grandparents owned a a sale barn and a a cattle company. And my dad was one of the hands was one of the hands that would during the sale that would move the cattle and all that stuff. And they did it all on horseback. All of them, they all ran. It was huge. I mean, you're talking about acres. They would move the cattle in and out and load them and everything. And he was one of the guys that did it on horseback. He was also a competitive team roper. That's where you send two, if you don't know rodeo, which (laughs) you're lucky. Um, you send two guys, two people out of the chute simultaneously. And then the, the, the cap is in the middle. One's got to rope the head. One's got to rope the tail or excuse me, the feet. And then you, they call them the header and the tailor. And then you pull them out. And that was always his big thought. He was like, my brother and I would be a, a, a team roping duo. Oh, really? There are three things wrong with this one. I hated my brother. Two, I hated horses. And three, I hated rodeo. All three of these things. I was like, I'm going to be uh, Mary Lou Retton. No, I'm sorry. I'll be a gymnast or a, dan- or a solid gold dancer or something. I'm not going to be a freaking cowgirl. Whatever. But I remember very vividly one time we were we were in the backyard on our farm and in the baby pool, like in the kiddie pool. And I was probably like three or four. It was a very early memory. And he came in to talk to my mom. 
on the horse and it was on this gray horse joe which ps was later struck by lightning and he came in and this horse was like he's standing there my mom's in her you know like oiled up in her baby oil laying out on by the pool on their lounger and he's standing there and all i could think of is like and i'm in a baby pool and all i could think was like this horse is going to step on our heads this horse is going to step on our heads and we're all going to die somehow that's the one that never left my memory that's all i could ever think of is it was so big it was always kind of rearing up and everything and i was like that horse I knew was going to kill me someday. I mean, he tried to teach us to ride me, my brothers rode, whatever. There was an old pony that we rode once and I was like, okay, good, done. Not a fan. And that, you know, like he tried a lot of things, but it never, nothing stuck. He even wanted like in our backyard, he had rope and dummies that would be like a bale of hay, like that you stick at this, you get these like preformed heads cattle heads and you put those on for the header to practice practice, and then there's a separate one with swinging legs for the footer to practice for the healer to practice he had those and everything and i was like again i'll be practicing my mary lou retton moves on the gas tank if you need me Uh, no i'm not like i'm not interested he bought me a pink god rest that man's soul he really did try to make me into a normal human being (laughs) and finally he was like well this is useless (laughs) i literally have my daughter is like some sort of chubby nine-year-old drag queen in second (laughs) iowa i don't even know what to do with her now so the hopes were dashed. I would, I would, do, I was okay. I could do the whole roping thing. If I, once I got my pink rope, I was like, look at me, you know, I had a costume that went with it. That's why I was good. But then when it was like, came to that part, we had to do all of this on a horse. I was like, I'm out. Nope. I just hate him. I just hate him. And it was funny because every time we've gone, like I, when I first went to Ireland for the first time and my grandma sent me to see family, they were freaking horse farmers. And I'm like, what is this crap? Are you kidding me? Like, I can't get away from this no matter what. Now I live in a world where there are no horses and I'm perfectly fine with it. <laughs> you know, it is weird. I never got into rodeo either. I had a friends that did like the rope things and the barrel races yeah. and all that stuff. But I never, I always showed cattle. So I guess. I didn't so did we, my dad's best friend was a, um, he was a rodeoer too. And he made saddles. He had done the, the PRCA circuit, the pro rodeo circuit wow. before. And then his son actually did a couple of guys I grew up with went on the pro rodeo circuit. So should we go on these books? Because now I'm yeah. all a little wrapped up. The one thing I have to say about my book is that given my traumatic history, <laughs> I understood everything that was that they were talking about because a couple of them did become rodeoers and stuff. I was like, okay, I get this. I get this. But anyway, should we get started? Yeah, sure. Let's get started. All right. Before we break into the books, why don't you give us a little primer or primer, as they say, on the OG of all horsey girls, horse book writer extraordinaire Marguerite Henry. Oh, I love her. You would. I know. <laughs> I love Marguerite Henry. She was another reason that I loved horses when I was little. I mean, me and thousands of other kids, I have to say. She's the author of about 59 uh, books. Not all of them about horses, but the, the most popular ones were. And so many of them are still in print. Um, she started publishing in like the 1940s, believe it or not. And her most popular book, Misty of Chincoteague, um, which of course I read. Yeah, there's a bunch of her stuff was made in movies and TV shows and stuff. And I read Misty when I was a girl and that was published in 1947, believe it or not. I remember that one in the school library. Man, are we that old? I know. Well, it's amazing that it was still like relevant in like the 80s. (laughs) But you did say you were in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) They hadn't bought new books since 1947. (laughs) 
they were like, these kids will never notice. Just keep them going. <laughs> They're not real readers. <laughs> Her last book, Brown Sunshine of Sawdust Valley, was published in 1994. Can Where you believe that? these titles? Most of her books were based on actual events, but they were fictional. Oh, so it's the horse name of the, okay, I yes. see. Yes. And so, or like a place and she would write a, a horse story about that place or things like that. But yeah, um, which is really cool. But I was like, dang, writer goals, man. She wrote her first book in 1947 and, and last one, 1994. That's amazing. So um, she's also, Marguerite Henry is also a Midwest girl. She grew up in Wisconsin and moved to Illinois after she was married. I have to say my favorite book of hers was not one of her middle grade books, but even though I loved those two, like Misty and Stormy books and all those. I read all those. But my fave is a picture book called Five O'Clock Charlie. I know that book. Five O'Clock Charlie was a, a great introduction to horse books. And it was about a retired cart horse who breaks out of his pen every day at five o'clock to get a fresh apple tart in town. So it is so adorable. It's just one of my favorite picture books. And it's still, I read it today. It's so cute. Also, like if you want to do yourself a favor today, Google pictures of Marguerite Henry. She is the most adorable woman. And she just looks like someone you'd want for your grandma. Oh, anyway, so basically Marguerite Henry created this whole kind of horsey genre for kids books. Uh, now there are, of course, other authors who are following in her footsteps. Uh, Pam Munoz Ryan, who's one of my favorite authors. Yeah, again, I was just going to say another one of your favorites. You are like, you are nothing if you're not consistent. Consistent, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, she has a couple of really great horse books that I highly recommend. And then Stacey Gregg is an Australian author who's almost as prolific as Marguerite Henry. She's a more modern, uh, has some more modern horse books. She has two series, The Pony Club. Club Secrets and a new one called Pony Club Rivals. Plus, she's done a couple of standalone books, and I've read some of her standalones. They're really they're pretty fun, quick reads. They're they're pretty great. So if you have a horsey person, they would like those, I'm sure. Also, this week, super hyped, anticipated horse book coming out is Pony by R.J. Palacio, the author of Wonder, and that book is being promoted everywhere. I've seen it, so it's supposed Huge. to be yeah, it's supposed to be really good. Um, you might want to check that one out. To which I can only summer. say one thing. What? Stay golden, Pony Boy. Stay golden. <laughs> I know that's what I think too. I always think of Pony Boy when I yeah when I saw that title. Stay golden, like, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one, believe it or not, has a boy main character, and it's about a boy whose father is kidnapped by like these horsemen, and then he the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know. But then uh, a horse shows up at his door. And so he decides, he decides to like, nothing. he's like, girl, there's a problem by the well. Come on. So I guess the boy decides to then go ride the horse and go try to rescue his dad. There's also a ghost in the story, I guess. So it sounded really interesting, but I haven't read it yet. So, but that's hyped everywhere. So that's out this week. Okay. So that's a little bit of background on the horsey genre and some of the authors for now. Oh, sweet Mary, mother of God. Okay. So now that we got all that covered and we know that always girls like the horses and girls like horses and places and all of that information. Um, what is your equine fiction du jour? 
Oh, okay. Well, I read The Secret Horses of Briar Hill by Megan Shepard. This was her debut middle grade novel. It came out in 2016, so it's not super new. You might have seen it around, um, but I thought it was close enough to being new, and I wanted to talk about it. Um, This book was a tearjerker, I will warn you, but it is so good. I was sobbing at the end of it. I can't take any more books like that. Last week, I had two like that. I know. No, I Fart jokes, fart (laughs) jokes. Middle grade authors, are you out there listening? Because what I need, I don't need to cry. I don't need dead pets. I don't need dead dogs. I don't need injured horses. I don't need dead parents. Good Lord. I've had more books with dead parents this year than I ever needed. I need fart jokes and I love a good drag queen. And I've only had one drag queen so far. (laughs) 33 episodes, one drag queen. Middle grade books are kind of emotionally intense sometimes, I have to say. And this one was right up there. Okay. So The Secret Horses of Briar Hill is set in England during World War II. I've read, also read so many World War II books this year. Yeah, it's been hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like the adult books I've been reading, they were all set in World War II. But my son was just talking about this this morning. My son who's in eighth grade. He was like, the thing that stinks about these World War II books when you read them is like, you already know what happens. Like he had a good point. He's like, there's a lot of things that historically kids don't know, but we all know World War II and we all know what's going to happen. And we all know that when they flee to Poland, that wasn't a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. But anyway, I digress. It's kind of interesting though, because I feel like authors now are pulling out like these more obscure stories from World War II that you might not know about. This one was definitely one of those kind of obscure stories. Set in England or World War II, it's about Emmeline, a young girl who is living in a children's hospital run by Catholic nuns where all the kids have tuberculosis. This is the stuff nightmares are made of for those of us who went to Catholic school right there. It was so contagious. And also it was during the time when people were being evacuated out of the cities. So like kids would be separated from their parents anyway. And then these kids were really separated from everyone because they had TB and they had to be quarantined basically in these hospitals um, that were run by nuns. So you can imagine what that was like for these kiddos. And how loving and caring those nasty nuns were. Sorry, bitterness holds over. Thanks, Sister (laughs) Nora. I blame Sister Nora. Sister Marguerite was wonderful. Sister Nora, no. Well, these nuns, I will say, started out like Sister Nora and ended up like Sister Marguerite. So there you go. Okay, good. But Emmeline has a secret. She can see winged horses in the mirrors of the in the hospital. Same girl, same. So, so this hospital is, is in a, an old, um, like castle estate that used to be a home and there are mirrors everywhere and she can, in the reflection in the mirror, she sees horses that are interacting with everything that's in their world, but it's, it's happening in the mirror world. So she'll see winged horses walking in on rooms and they'll be doing funny things like making messes and drinking people's tea, but it's only happening in the mirrored world and she can watch them. Can she go in? No, she can't go into the mirror world. But she can see them also in any reflection, like a pot, if she holds up a shiny pot. That would mess with your brain. Yeah. So she's seeing them and no one else is seeing them. And then one of the winged horses ends up in the garden, actually outside the hospital. And Emmeline has sent a message from the horse lord asking for someone to take care of the horse who has an injured wing. And so that sets Emmeline on this mission to take care of the horse. And then this dark horse ends up coming to and is trying to hunt the injured winged horse. 
So it's this really magical, it's a very beautifully written book. It's been compared to like the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It also really reminded me of like Bridge to Terabithia and Secret Garden. I mean, it just had like all of those elements and it's really beautiful. Like I know I said I was sobbing, but it doesn't really get sad till like the end and you realize like there's a twist and you kind of realize what's really going on. Uh, I will say a la The Whispers by Greg Howard, kind of similar. Ugh, sobbing again. I know. Similar Thanks, type of trauma kind of thing that was going on. So good though. The horses are really cool in this, just beautiful and ethereal. And they have like soft feathers on their wings. And I don't know, it's just really cool book. So if you need a good cry. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Is it so much that it's like, you would say, oh, don't give this to your, your kids if they're more sensitive or, or, you know what I mean? Like, what would you recommend it from a parent point of view? Like, I mean, most of the kids are not as wussy as we are about these things. So. Right. And I will say like the horses don't die in this book. So there's nothing like that, but there is trauma because it's World War II, right? Right. Yeah. So there's other trauma going on. And then the kids also have tuberculosis. So there's also that going on. But I think because I was trying to think if this would be where where this because you always ask me if it's lower middle grade, middle, you know, upper middle grade. I know, that's my token question. Thank you. And I would definitely give it to like sixth, seventh and eighth graders. You know, yeah. I mean, Emmeline is not super mature in the book. She does feel like a little bit younger, but she's dealing with some stuff that would be really interesting to talk about with like a little bit older kids. Yeah. It sounds like it would be a great book group, like a discussion after the fact kind of a book. Oh yeah, for sure. The imagery and stuff like that would be really cool to teach it. Yeah. And the 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 sort of the imagery with the twist and everything, it would be super interesting to kind of break down with like a little bit older kids who would have a lot more to say about that. Yeah. You know, like I'm sure fourth and fifth graders could read it. There's nothing that I would say is, you know, terrible, but still it would be make for an interesting discussion with a little bit older kids, maybe. Really cool, beautiful book. Say the name again. The Secret Horses of Briar Hill by Megan Shepard. Oh, check it out. Cool. Awesome. And then you went nonfiction, right? I did because you see, when I hate horses, I had to find a compromise. And as I was <laughs> looking around, I found this book and it's, um, it looked so up my alley, the Compton Cowboys and their fight to save their horse ranch by Walter Thompson Hernandez. And this is a book that came out in 2020. And then the young readers edition came out um, in April of this year. So this is like a smaller young readers version, much like what we did with um, Poison Water, the one about yeah. Flint. So I was super psyched. And there was a fatal flaw that they that they made with this book that they did not make on that other book on Poison Water. And that was when you you make a young readers edition, make sure you have an expert in that field. You need an MG writer, you need a middle grade writer or a YA, whatever you're aiming for it, you got to have just like they did. Like that one, again, there was a journalist and then there was a middle grade writer and they collaborated together to make that attainable. They didn't do that on this one. Oh, bummer. So I have some feels. This story is so fascinating too. That's this really story is so crazy cool. It is so interesting. So, okay. So basically here's the gist. Um, Walter Thompson Hernandez is a New York Times writer. 
um, reporter and he grew up in this area and he wanted to kind of document this situation because he thought it would be of interest to people not of the area. Totally 100% on that one. So the Compton Cowboys are a group of black cowboys that came of age in Compton, which is, you, if you're not aware, that is uh, in California outside of Los Angeles and is sort of like ground zero for the West Coast gang wars back in the day. That's where the, all the old rappers came out of. And still, like these, these guys, they put them, the guys in the book, they put them in the time period of Kenrick Lamar, which would probably put them like in their 30s, in their okay. mid 30s, where as opposed to, you know, like us when we were more the um, like Suge Knight, and, like all of the, the older the guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. So these guys would have been kids when all of that stuff was heating up. Oh, okay. Young kids when that was heating up. So okay. basically, the Compton Cowboys was started through this group called the Compton Junior Posse. And the CJP was a youth program created in 88, right? When things were starting to be really tough between the Bloods and the Crips. And um, it was a safe space. It was like to, me- meant to give a safe space for kids. And it was kind of meant to like foster a... Like, I don't know what to say. The woman who founded the organization, uh, Maisha Akbar, was really into Louis Farrakhan. And she wanted to teach these kids like manhood and uh, citizenship through a very strict and not necessarily religion, but like a very strict code of conduct that would kind of make them better people for the better community. And that was also a big thing in Philadelphia, too. There were a lot of organizations formed at that time as well that were kind of following Louis Farrakhan as well and his teachings and process. Well, I think it's kind of interesting too. this idea of sort of taking like what we grew up with, where we had to do chores and care for animals. Yeah. And place it in there and put it in the cities where um, kids don't have access to that kind of stuff. That's really cool. And they did say in the book, like this, this, they put this, this farm was in the middle of Compton. There's so many layers to this, which is why I wish the book was written better because it is fascinating. So all of these, in the great migration, all of these black cowboys left the South and they moved west. And in the course of that, a lot of them connected with Mexican cowboys mm-hmm. who were also coming up to get into new territory. And they, there were all these farms in Compton, all these big, gorgeous farms. And then over the years, the city encroached, the city encroached, the city encroached, and the farms, you know, were taken over and lost and, you know, turned into developments and all that sort of stuff. But, but Compton was where these farms what is now Compton is where these farms were. There is a really great part at the very beginning of the book that explains this. There's also a little bit of history of the Black Cowboys and all of that kind of stuff in there too, which is interesting. The book kind of starts out at the beginning of this and it follows 10 of the Cowboys that are connected to this um, CJP who came of age during that. Two of them, one of them became, a um, he's training for the Olympics to be in, in English writing. There's one that's, um, she's trying to get in the PRCA. Uh, one of them, has been out of prison and back again and is sort of getting his life turned around. Uh, you know, there's various stories that of, of how they got there. But one of them has decided that he will be the one to take over when Maisha Akbar, the woman who's founded this, is uh, retiring. And she's she's just old, tired, failing health. She's like, somebody else needs to take this. She's had a struggle. It has not always been easy. She, they started with Western. Then all of a sudden she made this like kind of, I would say, tragic flaw where she tried to appease the donors. And And switched it all over to English writing Mm, in the 90s, late 90s, and then lost all the kids. Yeah, because the history of it was the cowboy part of it. Yeah. 
it wasn't that. That's what's really interesting. But the cowboy, this I felt was like the most most important part of this whole book. I learned the most important thing I learned, if nothing else. The Western writing is the bigger saddle, which allows you less contact, but you go faster. The English is a smaller saddle and it doesn't disperse your weight. So you you can't ride as fast and you can, can't ride as long, but you're more in touch with the horse. All right. Western riding was what the kids needed because they could go fast. They could get an adrenaline rush. They could be on the edge of losing everything. Like they felt the same. The kids compared it to like getting a huge hit on a football field. That sort of physical violence was right there. That aggression was right there. And that's the release that they needed to be able to live in this neighborhood when they left the farm to get that anger out, to get that frustration out and just sort of like hitting a punching bag kind of concept. Mm -hmm. When she switched to English, not only was it snobby and white, but it didn't allow that visceral release that they, that, which was the whole reason they were here. I thought that part was utterly fascinating. That is so interesting. And honestly, I mean, if you've ridden a horse, when I was in college, I rode a horse like in Kansas on like a backcountry road and it was straight and flat and I could just get that horse going as fast as I wanted. And it is, it's like riding a roller coaster or something. It's terrifying because you're, you're in control, but you're not really in control because the animal could do anything at any point. The animal could stop. The animal could slip the animal could you right. know jump or take you right to the edge it's like this really huge thrill you know because you that. don't have that much control yeah and that's what they were saying like in english writing you have much more control because you're controlling it with your body you're controlling that horse it feels your weight centralized in the middle of its back on a western saddle the horse doesn't feel that because your weight is distributed on the larger saddle fascinating very fast give me more of this walter thompson hernandez this is what <laughs> i'm interested in It was really interesting, but there were way too many stories to follow because every time I would be like, wait, is this guy this guy or this guy this guy? Because it would sort of flip in each chapter might have like two people or two or three tales from two or three different cowboys in it. There's kind of a timeline, I think, but you couldn't really figure it out. Do you think like though, as a teacher or a homeschooling parent, if you wanted to use some of the information out of this book, could you pull out like one or two stories and kind of work with that? No, because they do not stand alone. Oh, okay. But here's what I would do. What? So in all of this, there is, after the fact, I found a documentary called Fire on the Hill. And that's from 2019. And it is... Uh, available on Amazon Prime. And it basically is the same story. It's, It's a documentary about this world. So I think if I would start there and then maybe read the adult version and be able to pull something out, I wouldn't give this book to a kid. It's just too hard to understand. It's not it's not entertaining because even I was like, oh, my God, I here we go again. Like, where are we? What are we doing? Like, you can't stay with it because it's so it chops a lot, even though it's fascinating. And it is so fascinating. The concept is so interesting. The story is interesting. The people involved in this are so interesting, but it's just so choppy that you're trying to piece things together and you miss parts of it because you're trying to figure out, wait, this guy is connected to who? I wouldn't give it to a kid. No way. If they had brought on somebody, a middle grade writer, mm-hmm. the, somebody that specialized in middle grade nonfiction, especially that could have put this story together in a way that a kid could get through it, it would be 
hugely beneficial, huge, huge. Talk about like a culture that you just don't know enough about. Oh yeah. It would be so good. It would be so good to give to like kids in the, in the Midwest that are in the cowboy world, you know, or in the South or whatever that are in this world to be like, Hey, this is not just about a bunch of white guys. And I guess a lot of them on the PRCA has quite a few black cowboys. Now it's really, it is coming along, but yeah, I wouldn't give this, this particular version. I would not pass on just because it's just not not well done. And everything I read said the same thing. It's a great story. It's a great, fascinating piece of journalism, but this isn't, it's not digestible for kids. It would just frustrate them, which is too bad. But the documentary would be a great way to get the story across. I think the first time I became aware of the um, Compton Cowboys was like on a news show or something, just like an evening news. And I was totally like pulled in. Like I was just like locked in watching it. It was fascinating. I mean, seeing guys in the inner city riding horses anyway is amazing. Like if you were a kid, wouldn't you just be in awe of that? Like, so I would be running and hiding because I'd be scared. (laughs) Oh yeah. I forgot. I forgot. It's a huge world that nobody really knows that much about. That's a great jumping off point. Just do better. You're the New York times. You have resources. You could have hired a co-writer. I'm just saying, you know, do better. Do better. Make it accessible to kids. Just like taking out a few pages and making a few of the big words smaller. That does not mean that it's made for young readers. That's the big, that's the takeaway. If we take away nothing else, that's the takeaway. That's the Compton Cowboys by Walter Thompson Hernandez. If you are an adult reader, not an adult reader, that sounds shady, <laughs> but um, like if you're an adult who is, is into nonfiction or horses, by all means, uh, check out the the adult version. I mean, everybody I that kind of reviewed it said the same thing that I'm sure the adult version is, or the grown up version, I should say, is probably fascinating and really good, but the young reader is not. Wow, well, that's too bad. Yeah, it's disappointing. You know, I don't hold back. I know. That's okay. This topic is really fascinating. So I would highly encourage people to find other resources to check out that documentary. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Check out that documentary. It's good. What was it called again? The documentary? Fire on the Hill. Fire on the Hill. Okay. I think you can actually get on YouTube too. I think there was a link to see it on YouTube. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our pick six. And of course, this week's pick six is all about horses. So for this week's pick six, we're going to give you some additional resources in case you have a child like Heather that really (laughs) likes horses. Um, If you have a child like me, go back to the drag episode where we talked about that. (laughs) Or if your daughter wants to be a solid girl dancer, just send her to me. We'll talk. Okay. So I have some weird, weird resources. The first one's not weird and it's horses. I thought these were good. Yeah. Yeah, It's, but they were kind of like not your norm. Um, Horse Illustrated Online Magazine. This is really cool. If you go there and we'll link it in the show notes, uh, horseillustrated.com, you can find the young writer tab and the young writer tab has so much great information about like how to care for horses. And what, what I thought was really cool, like jobs. If you really are into horses, here's some jobs you can do as you grow up. And you know, here's a great, here's some great choices, career choices for you. I thought that was fun. It's got good pictures and, and you can subscribe and get more information or you can still get a lot of free goods because you know I'm cheap. I like the free goods. The second one is called the Equinist. 
Equinist. The Equinist is .com. And it's like a cool blog. And it's got all this information from like about different breeds, how the horses work. And then my favorite thing was there's this massive, one of the tabs, there's this massive list of iPhone apps that are all about horses. No so way. I, I didn't know this was think a thing. you need to go there because okay. you can, you, there's like an app where you can get a, like, um what were those called? Those like, like ter- Tamagotchis. Remember those? Oh, like, yes. Yeah. So you could like get it like a horse and you have to remember to feed your horse on your, Aww. you can have your horse horse again he he you can feed it you can water it it's all going to be right there on your phone so it don't and you have to clean up its poop on the phone it was yeah oh my god p.s i have to just throw back in the scene they were at the the, in the in my book there's one scene where they always go to this like uh louisiana fried chicken i think is what it is and they'll like tie their horses out up front and run in and get their fast food and come back out and the one's horse just kept pooping in the parking lot and the lady (laughs) came out and she's like what are you going to do about this? And he was like, I don't have anything. And she's like, giving him the side eye. She's like, well, you're going to have to take care of it. And he had to like scoop poop with his hands. And he's like, <laughs> oh, hand in the bag of chicken over to the guy on the horse next to him. So he can like get the poop out of the, out of the parking lot. <laughs> See, things like that are great. Those are the things that kids love. Cause that's what yeah. I would love. Scoop um, poop. So you won't have to scoop the poop from your horse on your app. It will be good. That's true. Perfect. Virtual poop. Virtual poop. And the last one, there's a lot of, on the homeschooling sites, there's a lot of, for kids that love horses. And I found this through one of them and it's horseloversmath.com. And this is a website that teaches math as it relates to horses. It's for ages like uh, grades four to six, kind of in that range. You can also buy their math books. They have these math workbooks you can buy on there that are all horse themed and stuff like that. Aww, but they have fun. a ton of free games. They have arts and crafts that are like math based. They have gridded math. I mean, it was really fun. And if you have a little horsey nerd, I mean, if if they had one like that for football, I would do it in a heartbeat for my kids. So whatever, whatever gets them there. It's a good one. So that's, that's my three. All right. So my three, the first one I was going to crack you up, but it's called horsecrazygirls.com. That sounds like something <laughs> that could go horribly wrong really fast. I'm just saying. But it's not, it's sweet. It's, it's good. Um, and it has a whole section on how to create a science fair project on horse. Oh, topics. I saw this one. Isn't yes, I did see this one. I thought this was so yeah, cute. it was cute. It includes components about um, si- how to do a science fair project. And it gives you ideas and tips and resources for doing a horse themed science fair project. I'm going to take a hard pass on that. Thing. <laughs> I'll be blowing up my backyard. Something else. <laughs> That's on horsecrazygirls.com. And then um, another interesting topic that I came across while I was prepping for this podcast to check out is the extremely rare uh, Zavalsky's horse, which is a wild horse that lives in the steppe in Mongolia. And historians think it was was never domesticated because it doesn't share that much DNA with like modern horses. Ooh. They think that it might have been domesticated for a short period of time by this one group of people, but, um, but it dates. Okay, so these horses date back to cave people times. This is so fascinating about these horses because they're still in existence. There's only like maybe 1,200 of them. They're super I think rare. the ones with like the short legs that are a little fatter. They kind of have that weird body. Yeah, they have like a bristly mane that sticks straight up and they're sh- kind of short legs and fat body. And yeah, they have like a straight. Oh my God, it's my people. <laughs> <laughs> they're really cool to look at. Short legs, fat body. You said my name. <laughs> but I just think it's so amazing because basically when you're looking at one of them, you're looking at the same animal that cave people saw, that cave women painted on walls. Because the cave women had a lot in common with them. They were like short, stubby, not a lot, to, not a lot in common with other people. 
I get it. I understand. I know, and I would, I would want to paint a horse in my cave to decorate it. I think that would be awesome. I would use it for like a dartboard, but whatever. <laughs> so all over Europe, there's cave paintings of these animal, of these horses, L- the same horse that we still have today, which is so cool. So the National Zoo has some great information on them. You can check out. That's a great resource. That's cool. That's a really cool one. I would get all behind that one. Yeah, it's like nationalzoo.si.edu, and they have all kinds of stuff there. But if you put in Zawalski's horse, you'll find information. It's P-R-Z-E-W-A-L-S-K-I. The horses are named after a Polish uh, explorer who like rediscovered them. I would do the same thing. I would be like, that's Margie's horse. That's what it will henceforth be known for all of eternity. Thought first. (laughs) I also read a middle grade fictional book about the animals called The Winter Horses by Philip Kerr. I think that came out in like 2014. So it's a little bit older book. But um, it's a good book. It's pretty intense, though, because it's about how the Germans tried to exterminate the horses during World War II. Of course course they did. Yeah. Germans. I know those dang Nazis. It has guns in it. It has like some death in it. So it's a pretty intense book. Some death. Yeah. (laughs) It's got guns. It's got some death. You know, it happened. Some horses die. So that's kind of it. I think the animals dying is more intense for uh, kids, you know, than I agree. But it was a really powerful book, though. So, I mean, it was called uh, was The Winter Horses by Philip Kerr. So, yeah, the National Zoo and that book would be really interesting to do like a whole thing on it. And they're really cool horses. And then my third thing is author Stacey Gregg, who I mentioned earlier, who's an Australian author who has tons of horse books out. She has a section on her website, stacygregg.co.uk, um, that's called Ponies A to Z. And it includes a glossary of horse terms. And I think that would really be fun like to create spelling lists from or quizzes or something like that or vocabulary lists. Yeah, from. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would be fun if you had a horse uh, loving kiddo who I think that would be fun to do. And that's Stacy Gregg with two G's.co.uk. And that's it. Those are mine. We made it through the horsey episode and I'm still alive. <laughs> We did it live. Nothing bucked me off. I stepped on my head. (laughs) Thank God. You made it. You cannot be mad at me anymore. You're done. I'm going to find like the worst subject though next for you. And I'm going to be like, we have to do this. You're going to find all fart joke books. Oh my God. That would be heaven. (laughs) Heaven. That would be heaven. And it's all going to be like boy fart jokes. Yeah, I'm on it. I'm on it. Wait for the fart episode, people. It's coming. (laughs) All right. So what's up for our next episode? Okay. I'm so psyched. I am so psyched. And Nugget and I just finished our decorating for the Day of the Dead because that's what we decorate for because we're cool like that. So we just finished that today, right before. And um, with all my little light up skulls and oh, it's so dark and wonderful. I love it. So our next episode, we're going to be talking about Latin American Heritage Month, which is September 15th, to October 15th. So for that, I'll be reading uh, La Torria by Carla Arenas Valenti. Also, I want to say it's got illustrations by Dana Sanmar. It's got a lot of illustrations and they're so great. It's really fun. It's a really interesting book. If you have anything, if you know anything about Calacas or Katarina or any of that, you'll be down with it. So it's really fun. Cool. And I'll be reading CC Rios on the Desert of Souls by Kayla Rivera. I've mentioned this book before. It was it's a new book. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, it has brujas in it, so I'm down. I can't wait to read it. I'm so excited. And I just hope that no one dies in these books. 
I think there'll be a lot more lighthearted. I need that. I mean, they're already dead. Like half of my people are already dead. They're just coming back. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. Like, I hope nobody dies because half of them are dead and they were just coming back for, you know, for the holiday and everything. I just need some, I need a cleanse on this one now. I need like sort of, I need a cleansing, a couple of cleansing books. And, And this one has great illustrations. So that's pretty cleansing to me. And for October, we're kind of focusing on the Day of the Dead and Halloween and that stuff. I love that stuff. So that it should be more fun. It should be more fun. And then we'll read just books about turkeys for November. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know I love Debbie, my turkey. <laughs> Debbie tries to steal my man. I love turkeys. And I have to say, it is the time. It's cranberry picking season. So the the turkeys are out in full force out on the Cape and out all over the place. So Thanksgiving. Ooh, Uh, this year is going fast. It is going fast now. Well, I guess that wraps up this episode. If you liked what you've heard, please leave us a review. Subscribe, share us. We'll love you forever. Unless the review is not good. Then we won't love you. And (laughs) I will come to your house and and it'll be ugly. I might come on a horse. (laughs) There's a fat lady on a horse in front of our house, honey. What's going on? She looks angry. She must be in her late 40s. (laughs) She looks a little hostile. Oh, yeah. Well, so so there you go. Leave us a good review. And if you want to join us twice a month for Kidlet Discussions, please subscribe to our podcast or any of the places you get your podcasts. Or you can find it on our website. And if you want to find out what's happening in our world, you can follow us on Instagram because that's where the cool kids are. Heather's (laughs) not there, but on Instagram at TWO Lip Mamas Podcast on Instagram or TWO Two Lip Mamas on Facebook. And of course, on our website, www.twolipmamas.com. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Bye.